You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days. This is our 101st edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 441st edition overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, November 15th, 2018. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. This week's banner moment occurred after Indiana's 96-73 demolition of Marquette was complete on Wednesday night. Archie Miller came to the press room in the bowels of Simon Scott Assembly Hall, settled in, and talked about his team's performance. And in many ways, it was a typical Archie press conference, a succinct, insightful fulfillment of his contractual obligation. But in one very important way, Archie's press conference last night felt different to me. It felt like for the first time since Archie has been here that he genuinely believes in his team. And that's not to say that he disliked last year's bunch, but we all knew he was fighting an uphill battle, turning an offensive culture into a defensive one with players he didn't recruit. And no one knew it better than he did. Many of those same players remain this year, but they are now clearly more comfortable and capable playing Archie Miller-style basketball. As for the new guys, well, you saw Rob and Romeo play, so did Archie. One is a stud, according to his coach, who rarely doles out such strong compliments, and the other looked every bit the top five draft pick he's projected to be. After expressing very little satisfaction in his postgame comments after Chicago State and Montana State, despite lopsided results, Archie couldn't hide the pride he felt in his team's performance against Marquette. He didn't even try to. He knows his team has plenty of work still to do and plenty of improvements to make, but he also seems like a coach starting to realize that he has a group that can be pretty darn good. Archie summed the entire night up best after J.D. Campbell informed the assembled members of the press that Indiana's shooting performance on Wednesday night was its best yet during Archie's tenure. Wow, Archie said. Wow, indeed. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show to my left. He is the Nate Oates of Girls Youth Sports Coaching in Cincinnati, the president emeritus of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, one of the world's most respected bracketologists, and he recently won the Chat Mob's Choice Award for Best Laugh Among Assembly Call Hosts. (laughs) (laughs) He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, what is your Bottoms line from the last week in in IU basketball? (laughs) That that was troubling, but hey, better to be known for laughing than than other things. So I'll take it. Uh, no, just still kind of basking in in the in the victory from uh, from Wednesday night. You know, as you look back on it, just such a a, a big performance in a in a difficult game, uh, in a difficult situation with some guys being forced to play 
uh, you know, roles or minutes that you wouldn't have expected uh, early on in the season. And so it's hard not to look at it and, and kind of feel like um, this team is probably ahead of schedule where where Archie might have expected. I think some of his comments, is, as you said, uh, may start to shed a little light on that as well. And, um, you know, just an exciting time to really see them pass this first test with flying colors and there are certainly times that there are you know, post-game shows that we want to you know, move on from and think about the next game. I think the you know, Chicago State and Montana State games were kind of that way where it's like, all right, this was great. They did what they were supposed to do. Let's move on and think about the, uh, you know, think about the next big test along the way. This is one that uh, it, it's, it's kind of nice to be able to get back on and talk about again. It's one that you want to linger on a little bit because um, it, it feels like one that you may look back on at some point over the course of this season and say, hey, this was you know, maybe the first sign that, that – as you said, Archie really feels like he has something in this team and uh, and the way they've come together. So it's uh, it's good to be with you guys and uh, talk a little bit more about this game and, and look ahead to another big one on Sunday. And to my right, no, it is not Ryan Phillips. He is stuck in a Hawaiian rainforest without Wi-Fi, much to Valerie's continued disappointment. I was kind of looking for Ryan being on tonight. But just like Al Durham stepped in for Zach McRoberts last night, we have someone ready to step into the starting lineup and deliver a strong performance. You've read his work in our weekly IU Basketball News Roundup emails, as well as the Marquette postgame analysis email. And he's received rave reviews for his Basketball 201 segments during our Banner Monday shows. He has a bright future as a deep-thinking and astute NBA analyst. But we will enjoy it right now while we have him here providing insight on our Hoosiers. He's one of our student interns for this season, Ben Ladner. 90% of his basketball opinions are moronic. He ought to be fired. Ben, don't mind them. They're just afraid you're going to rob Finnessy them and they won't get their starting host slot. Sure, sure. Pay them no mind. So what stood out uh, most about Indiana's win over Marquette to you, Ben? Um, I would second everything Andy said. Um, I think it's a good, you know, good to see them pass this first test. And then I would also add that it's going to be an important momentum builder as well as they go into Arkansas and then they kind of have a little bit of a, of a break. They're still playing games, but they're not really these marquee opponents. And then you go into Duke um, on the 26th and that's probably going to be the, the, the best team Indiana faces this regular season, at least the most talented team that they see. And so I think all of this is kind of snowballing and leading up to that Duke game where you obviously take it one game at a time, but I think it, it would be really nice for Indiana to be able to walk into Cameron indoor stadium with an undefeated record, you presume that Duke will likely do the same. And so this Marquette game was was a really nice kind of first building block for that, not just for the Duke game, but beyond that to kind of uh, see how this season unfolds. All righty. Well, here's what we are going to talk about this week. We have to cover the unfortunate news about Jerome Hunter's injury. We will here at the end of segment one. We're going to take a deeper look at Al Durham's outstanding game on Wednesday night. And then we're going to play a fun game called Fair or Too Soon to Say, in which we discuss some of the most common and interesting reactions to IU's play thus far. And then we will answer your questions. All of that coming on this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio. First, before we get to all that, I am very excited to introduce our newest sponsor, Comfort Option. And as I told you last week, they will be with us all season as the presenting sponsor of Assembly Call Radio. And in future weeks, I will tell you all about their Mattress Store to Your Door product that is revolutionizing how people purchase mattresses in central Indiana. But before we get into all of that, there are a few things you need to know about Comfort Option as a company. They are an Indiana-based mattress manufacturer. They are backed by over 65 years of experience, and they are family-owned and operated by third-generation graduates of IU. And then there's this, which is clearly the most important thing you need to know about Comfort Option and why we're so excited to have them as a sponsor. Nathan Elliott, whose grandfather founded the company, is Comfort Option's chief marketing officer. He is the person who originally reached out to me about pursuing a partnership with the Assembly Call. And he counts among his most prized possessions 
an autographed picture of Calvert Chaney. Obviously, this is my kind of guy. And that's the thing about the Comfort Option team and company. These people are Hoosiers through and through. They bleed cream and crimson, just like you and me, and they also happen to produce a fantastic mattress product. And I'll tell you more, as I said, about Comfort Options mattresses in future episodes. For now, if you're curious, visit ComfortOption.com to learn more. Get a brother, get some coupons. And yes, if you decide to buy a mattress in the meantime, make sure you use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout to get a $50 discount on your mattress purchase. That's ComfortOption.com, promo code ASSEMBLY for $50 off mattresses. Thank you. All righty, you are listening to Assembly Call Radio. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ben Bottoms and Ben Ladner. And guys, let's talk about, you know, it's been a very triumphant week for Indiana basketball in so many ways. Big win over Marquette. But we got some really bad news today about Jerome Hunter. He's had a mysterious injury that it's kind of felt like no one's really kind of known how to explain it and describe it publicly. But, uh, you know, we got the news about him winning the gold jersey a couple weeks ago, and then all of a sudden he's hurt and he hasn't played. And we found out today that Jerome underwent surgery Wednesday evening at the Cleveland Clinic. That's why he wasn't at the game. Uh, and it is to treat, quote, a lower body condition that first developed early in the semester. The release from Indiana said he is recovering from the procedure and hopes to return to campus next week. Hunter, who has not seen any game action, will remain out indefinitely. So, Andy, that's not a lot to go on. I know just kind of myself personally, I'm, you know, I guess just kind of preparing myself for the reality that Jerome likely won't play this year and will redshirt, and I'm just going to kind of hope to be pleasantly surprised. But obviously this news doesn't sound optimistic, and we just hope that whatever the issue is, the surgery can correct it, he can get back on track, because he's a guy who's going to have a long career playing basketball. And you know, regardless of what he will mean to IU's program, just for him personally, we want to see him get back on the court as soon as possible. Yeah, I mean, we definitely wish him a, a speedy recovery from whatever the situation is that's going on. And and like you said, I think at this point, expectations for him have probably started to shift a little bit into maybe this does become a redshirt season for him. And um, I don't know that, you know, certainly not what he would would have wanted and would have expected coming into this. And for a guy that Archie Miller really talked about in the offseason of, of really loving the game as much as anybody that he's been around certainly would be a difficult decision for him. But if that's what's uh, winds up being best for his long-term health. And I, I think he's a guy who's a really talented player. And uh, and it, I, at some point it becomes a little bit difficult the further you get into the season of even if he came back and if he is healthy enough to come back, how do you really work yourself into that rotation and, and as things get settled in there? So it may be a situation that even if, he, if he, even if he came back, would it really be putting him in a great position to succeed? And I'm not sure that it would. It's, it's hard to speculate what that timetable would look like. So hopefully it's... Uh, it's something that the the surgery and some you know follow up treatment can take care of, and uh, he gets back to to doing what he loves to do, and uh, and we see him in an eye uniform as soon as we can. But uh, you know, certainly his recovery is the the most important thing, and we'll kind of figure things out from there. But uh, yeah, definitely kind of an odd scenario where uh, I, I think understandably tight lipped about what's going on, uh, wanting to protect his privacy as well as it's just probably something that I would assume is a little bit harder to understand than the, the injuries that people are used to hearing about sprained ankles and you know back issues and, and things like that and uh probably a situation where you know maybe you, you keep some of the speculation uh, uh you know lowered a little bit by by saying less um but uh yeah d difficult to see as a guy who you know really projected behind romeo as a guy that was going to make the biggest impact as a as a true freshman and uh, certainly don't think there's anything that says he won't be able to make that kind of impact eventually over the course of his time at iu yeah i mean he's a guy that clearly was going to be a rotation piece and based on how he'd been practicing 
you know, it kind of seemed like the sky was the limit for how much he could produce actually this year. You know, Ben, as you kind of project forward with Indiana, we've obviously been able to weather, you know, some of these injuries here early in the season, but that's only through three games and obviously a lot of games still to come. How big of a loss do you think this is for Indiana? I mean, if he's out long term, how big of a loss do you think that this is for the Hoosiers? I think it could be, you know, not catastrophic, obviously, because he wasn't going to start. He likely wasn't going to be a huge piece of the rotation. But like Andy talked about, he was maybe that second best freshman behind Romeo Langford coming into the season and a guy that around six, seven, six, eight with, with good length, good athleticism could have been a really valuable defender in this, in this lineup. And, you know, we, we don't know what he, he necessarily would have looked like because we didn't get to see him on the court very much this season, but yeah, it is a shame. And, and what kind of stood out to me from just the report and the release that they sent out today was the phrasing of condition rather than an injury. We were talking about this before we went on, but yeah. I don't know if there's anything to that. But it is it, it was kind of odd to me just to hear it, it phrased in that way. And obviously, the indefinite timetable doesn't make you feel any better about him coming back anytime soon. But I was going to have to find a, a way to replace what Jerome Hunter would have given them. I think that probably means more minutes for Justin Smith than he might have gotten. It probably means you lean a little more on Juwan Morgan, although he was going to be a, a key player anyway. And then, you know, I think a question that I've had kind of all all season long thus far is that back end of the rotation kind of that four or five spot i've been calling it like the emergency big man just the guy you turn to for three minutes at the end of a half that might have been jerome hunter those might have been kind of his uh his pockets of the game to really work with that second unit and, and maybe play some time with the starters as well so jake forrester clifton moore race thompson all could be in line for more minutes but i, I do think this hurts indiana if not catastrophically, it is definitely a, a significant loss for them. Yeah. Well, get well soon, Jerome. We uh, we can't wait to see you out there in the cream and crimson playing again, uh, certainly for, for our sake and for IU's sake, but mostly uh, for yours to get your basketball career back on track. All righty, coming up on the assembly call, let's talk about Al Durham, who got the start in place of Zach McRoberts last night and delivered the best game of his IU career. What does it mean going forward for him and for Indiana? That is next on the assembly call. Stick with us. You are listening to The Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to participate in our unedited live broadcasts, chat mobbers, or watch those replays, then check out our YouTube channel. You will be privy to all of the between-segment banner that might not make it into the radio show or the podcast edit, like when Coach tries to act like a big shot and present hearsay and rumors as legitimate recruiting analysis. My neighbor's second cousin's girlfriend saw Trace at Taco Bell, and he was wearing a Michigan State jersey. Join us live at youtube.com slash assemblycall. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ben Ladner. And, you know, Andy, when we were kind of planning out this episode and talking about what we should discuss. It's always fun doing a radio show the day after a post-game show, you know, because sometimes it feels like there aren't a lot of things to talk about. But Don't say always. There have been times when it hasn't, but this is one of the times that has <laughs> yes. been good. Yes. Yes. This is one of the times it's been good because, you know, I felt, I mean, you know, the post-game show after the Marquette game was a long one, and I still felt like we couldn't really dive into as many of the topics as, as there were there to talk about. And one of the ones that I think we left that show feeling like we didn't talk enough about was Al Durham who, you know, filled in for an injured Zach McRoberts and was just outstanding. You know, he produced offensively. You know, it's hard to, to say that anybody can come in and replace what Zach gives you defensively. 
but boy, I think anybody would have been hard pressed to, you know, to to play as well on defense as Al did. So, you know, we heard all offseason about his improvement. You know, he was kind of injured there for a little while, so we hadn't really been able to see it much in the games yet. But he was dynamite last night. And if this is how he's going to play moving forward, again, we talk about the answers we've been getting to some of these backcourt questions. That's another one last night that was a major positive for IU. Yeah, I, I just think, as you said, he was a guy that you heard so many good things about and really felt as if we hadn't had a chance to see it. Uh, you know, got injured pretty pretty early on in that Southern Indiana game, I believe, and uh, then ended up only playing – you know, didn't play against Chicago State, played 15 minutes – against Montana state just to, just to kind of get his feet wet and didn't really do anything uh, spectacular there had five points, but, but he did, he was a guy who even heading up to the Marquette game, there was some question of, do you see more of him uh, as a defender on Marcus Howard? And he played him at times uh, Finney played him, uh, you, you know, probably even more than that. But uh, I, I just think what, what you saw from him last year was, you know, was was a guy who had the makings of a really strong defender. I think Archie talked about that with him. Like, can he really become a defensive stopper? Really trying to to pinpoint even before the season what his role on this team could really be. And I think the difference that you have when you, you know, the easy comparison because he started from McRoberts last night is is looking at those two guys. He's just more aggressive offensively. He's looking for shots. He's looking to attack the basket off the dribble. It was really successful doing that and got out in transition some of the you know the early minutes of that game when. Uh, when things were a little frenetic and IU was forcing a lot of turnovers, but he's just a guy who's who's more aggressive. We saw that last year, really trying to drive to the basket uh, and and being able to finish pretty well, even as a freshman. So you look at what the work he's done in the weight room in the offseason, I think that's only going to help him finish in those kinds of scenarios. And it gives you another guy that can really attack off the dribble uh, for a team that is going to, you know, may continue to struggle to shoot the ball from the outside uh, and really wants to, you know, play downhill toward the basket. He fits really well uh, in what they want to do there. And that's really what he brought to the table last night. If you, you know, if Archie probably told him two things, play great defense and attack the basket. If you told him only those two things, he did those great. And he did a whole bunch of other things. Well, uh, in addition to those. And I was impressed. I think he airballed his first shot and he was undeterred. You know, that didn't, that didn't hurt his confidence at all. He kept attacking. And, you know, my first thought when we left that game was, you know, way to go, Tom Crean, for offering him the scholarship. You know, some people wondered, what are we doing offering this three-star guard a scholarship? Clearly, Al deserves it. But the irony is it feels like he's such a better fit for Archie's system and the way Archie wants to play than he would have been under Crean. So, I mean, huge kudos to Crean because I think Al was a great get. He's a, you know, just a, a terrific guy who really embodies everything you want out of IU basketball. And to see him be this productive as a sophomore is just fantastic. Uh, you know, Ben, what did you kind of think of Al's overall performance and what out of there do you think is now kind of sustainable moving forward for him? Yeah, I think the fact that he did it on both ends of the floor was really encouraging. I mean, he came in, I think it was kind of assumed that he would get a lot of that assignment on Marcus Howard, that he and Finnessy were going to split that assignment because Al's a really long, athletic, kind of um, slashy kind of guy who can really get up in the jersey of an opposing point guard. But then for him to do it on offense as well, that's kind of been one of the more inconsistent parts of his game in his career so far is he'll have these games and he'll show you like he's getting to the basket. He's finishing with both hands. He's knocking down shots, have these great offensive games and then kind of turn around a couple of games later and not be quite as consistent. So to me, that's the question moving forward is whether he can knock down shots consistently from the outside. And then also that penetration into the lane. I thought at times last season, he was Indiana's best penetrator off the dribble, just in terms of, putting the ball on the floor, getting straight into the into the lane and to the basket. He, he's really good. He covers a lot of ground with his dribble. And so he's still been really good in that in that sense. And, you know, I think McRoberts might be, and we can 
probably talk about this, um, you know, in, in more depth, but I think McRoberts might be a little bit better fit with this starting lineup because he doesn't need the ball in his hands. He lets you do more stuff through Romeo and Jawan. And I think, I think in a vacuum, McRoberts is probably a little bit better spot up shooter and a, a more versatile defender, but the way Hal played last night, it, it makes you wonder if, if he deserves a spot in that starting lineup. And I think either way, he's going to continue playing a, a huge role in this rotation, especially given that Indiana is really going to need his minutes at point guard if Devontae Green continues to stay out of the lineup. And, you know, I was just so impressed with, with his defense. He contested every one of Marcus Howard's shots when he was guarding him, uh, setting guys up. Didn't look to force too much. I think we saw a little bit against Chicago State and Montana State, and then at times last season too, where he would kind of force the issue off the dribble and maybe predetermine what he was going to do when he caught the ball. He didn't look like he was doing any of that. Last night, he was reading the defense, making the right pass within the flow of the offense. He had five assists and no turnovers. He and uh, Rob Finnessy combined for 13 assists and just one turnover, which was fantastic. So just the way he took care of the ball, ran the offense, and just kind of found his footing within the flow of the offense rather than trying to do too much, to me, was very impressive. You're listening to Assembly Call Radio. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ben Ladner, and we're breaking down Al Durham's terrific performance against Marquette. You know, it's important to remember, we're three games in, we've played two terrible opponents and obviously have the impressive win over Marquette. But Andy, and tell me if you think that this is misguided at all, but you know, as as I kind of reflect on what we saw against Marquette, I'm much more inclined to, I guess, trust what we saw on the defensive end and feel like that, like those are things that we can definitely project more forward because of how good Marquette is offensively. I still don't really know what we can take from it offensively because they were, what, the 182nd ranked defense last year. And they've been better this year, but they haven't faced anybody. And, you know, and, and I do think that is you know, kind of a game that will suit Al well. It's not like Marquette was really pressuring the ball and you know, doing a whole lot to, to kind of disrupt him. So, look, 13 assists, one turnover, that's great if you're playing five on zero in practice. You know, I mean, that, that's, that's incredible. You know? But I, I, do, I think you bring up a good point, you know, Ben, you know, from an offensive standpoint, you know, Zach doesn't necessarily need the ball, you know, to, to, to be out there creating. He can step out and make threes. And so I guess I just, Andy, am, am trying, as, as much as I want to jump to all these positive conclusions, I'm trying to just take a step back and remember this Marquette team has been really bad defensively. So maybe we don't quite know as much as we think we know about the team's offense quite yet. I think that's fair, but I think we at least know what the philosophy is for sure based on the way that they've played these these first handful of games the focus yeah. on really driving the ball points in the paint things like that and they've been successful at it no matter who they've played and and Marquette had gotten yeah, to your point w- or there weren't enough games to really know had their interior defense gotten substantially better or was it a, a little bit of a mirage and I think probably a little bit of both I don't think they were as good as they probably looked in the first couple games based on the competition but I don't know that they're going to be a, a complete disaster on that end of the floor in the way that they were uh, a year ago. And so, you know, but I think either way, if you, I, I would agree with what Ben said about McRoberts and, and being a better spot up shooter uh, and things like that. But I think with, with Al, it gives you one, it gives you a little bit of another, another direction you can go at the point. If you need to, if fantasy gets in foul trouble or, you know, it's a freshman wall at some point, who knows, you've got another guy who's there. And I think it's good for Al to really get that confidence. Cause you saw, it was funny. I was looking over while we were talking to you, looking at his game log from last year, and and remembering a little bit of how well he started out early in the season. You know, he had at least seven points and or at least six points in seven of the first nine games, and then didn't do that again for the better part of uh, not quite two months. Um, really struggled in that Louisville game, turned the ball over five times, and then 
you know, saw his playing time start to diminish and his production really started to diminish at that point. So at the very least, I think it's a guy who um, really thrived on the confidence that he got early in the season. And while I don't think the setbacks are going to affect him as much as a sophomore, I think it's good to see him get out of the shoot this way against a good opponent because what we didn't know because of the injuries is really where his spot was in the rotation and how, you know, where he was in the pecking order. And I think while injuries certainly thrust some guys into bigger roles against Marquette, I think it becomes pretty clear that he was, you know, right on the, you know, outside looking into that starting lineup most likely. And um, so I think he's going to be one of the first guys off the bench if he doesn't make his way into the starting lineup. And I don't think that's a bad thing either. Um, when you think about, would you rather bring in, if you had to bring him in for Romeo to give him a rest, would you want a guy who's going to attack a little bit more? He's certainly not going to replace that production. Um, but if you kind of flip-flop it and say, all right, well, in a lineup that may not feature some of IU's better scorers, is he a good fit with a, a second unit in that regard versus a McRoberts who we know isn't going to go out and try to create his own shot and do things like that? So in that regard, you know, maybe answering, you know, kind of circling back to the prior question, maybe that does make him a better fit. And even in some of the same ways that we've talked about, is Devontae a good fit to come off the bench to, you know, kind of provide that spark and that energy? Um, could be a guy that ends up there, but it, it sounds like, like you said, you know, we may be a little bit before this, this team is healthy enough to figure out what everybody's actual role is. It's just kind of a game to game. Who can you who can you cobble together and uh, and how do you make things work with with who you have? Yeah, because it doesn't sound like Devontae or Zach will be back for Sunday. I mean, I think technically they're both game time decisions, so we'll have to see. And you know, in our next segment, we're going to play this game called "Fair or Too Soon to Tell," where we kind of assess some of these early season reactions. And you know, one question Ben that I asked in our in our IU community, uh, which you can check out if you go to assemblycall.com/community, was basically, you know, if Zach McRoberts were ready to go on Sunday and could play again, probably won't be able to, but if he could, would you start Al or would you start Zach? So, you know, Ben, I think you kind of gave away the answer to this earlier, but yeah. what would you do kind of at this stage right now? I would start start McRoberts, uh, not just for the reasons I mentioned earlier, the fact that he doesn't need the ball, probably is a better catch-and-shoot player uh, from three and a more versatile defender, but also, and Andy kind of touched on this as well with Devontae Green, but I think you need that guy in the second unit who can create off the dribble and set guys up. And I think the, the more minutes Al Durham plays with the starters, the fewer minutes he's playing with that second unit, and then you wonder where does that creation come from in the backcourt. And, and maybe it is Devontae Green, but again, if he's not totally healthy for Arkansas, then the question, I think, uh, is a little tougher to answer. I don't think you want all of your best creators in the starting lineup playing together for um, huge pockets of the game because then that leaves you pretty vulnerable when those guys are not in the game. And so, you know, I think McRoberts is just a better fit because you've got two ball-dominant guys already in Romeo, Lang Romeo Langford and Jawan Morgan. And then Rob Finnessy has shown the capability to be kind of a you know, jack-of-all-trades kind of point guard who can knock down shots, facilitate, get into the lane, uh, swing the ball around the perimeter, just put the ball where it needs to be. And I think Al's that same kind of player, but I don't think he does it quite as well as Finnessy, and I don't think he's he's nearly the one-on-one the -on -one score that Romeo Langford is. And I think for that reason, you know, I think he's probably a little bit more effective when he's playing not just with backup units, but against opposing backup units. Andy, what would you say? Yeah, I tend to agree. I, you know, I think coming into the discussion, I don't know that I had a, a firm thought about it, but the more kind of listening to Ben talk about it and what I said last, it, it feels like he might be able to be even more successful in that scenario. And, um, and ultimately that's what you want. I think he's a guy that can really be a, a spark plug on the team, certainly a good, good energy guy and, and could really be a leader within that second unit to the extent that I, really rotates those guys in that way. So 
Uh, I think in the Arkansas game might be an important guy just in the sense of, you know, trying to break their press, having another ball handler uh, and a guy that, you know, comes off a game where he made really good decisions and took good care of the basketball. So, you know, maybe that's a game to game proposition. I don't know that that's a decision that Archie's going to need to make for that game if McRoberts isn't available. Um, but I do think he could pay some. Div- it could be another game where he really pays dividends being in the starting lineup similar to what he did in Marquette just by giving them another guy they could throw at Marcus Howard without, you know, having to really rotate as many guys in and out. But and just to tack on, Roberts. Go ahead, Ben. Just, just to tack on one more point to that, I, I think regardless of who starts, I think all these guys are going to play minutes together at various points in the game. So, and, and you know, you could even close games with Finnessy, Langford, and Durham on the floor together. So just depending on how the game goes. So, I, you know, we, we answer this question about who's going to start and, and all that kind of thing, which is an important question. But it is also worth remembering that the way the game goes, the way the rotations work, there will be overlap between all these guys. So we'll get to see them all kind of work together as well. Yeah, and if you want a good preview of Indiana-Arkansas, obviously we talked about it um, on the post-game show, but also Ben did a great job uh, with Seth on their edition of the matchup. Uh, go to podcastonthebrink.com uh, and you'll find that. It's in the podcast on the Brink feed. But really good job on that, Ben. So if you want some Thanks. insight on IU-Arkansas between now and then, uh, that is the place to get it. Alrighty, coming up, we are going to continue our game of fair or too soon to tell by discussing a player comp for Romeo that seems crazy but probably isn't, what we're to make of IU's early three-point defense, and several other common interesting reactions to IU's play. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ben Ladner. Remember that if you are a serious IU Hoops fan, you need to be subscribed to our free IU Basketball email newsletter, uh, especially now that the season has started and we're sending out our in-depth post-game analysis emails the morning after every game. There's a high-level operation going on out there. Joining is easy. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. Make no excuses. Can we get some basketball, please? Alrighty, back to talking basketball. And guys, we started this in the last segment. We're going to play a little game that I just made up this afternoon when we needed a segment, and it's called Fair or Too Soon to Tell. And, you know, the genesis for this is basically we're three games into the season, but, you know, we kind of feel like we know a lot about this team now. There's lots of reactions kind of going around. So let's just see, are these reactions, is it fair or is it, do we think it's too soon to tell, right? Because most of the things people are reacting to, it's not like they're wrong, right? I mean, Indiana's three-point defense has been better this year. But is it, you know, is, is it fair to say that it is better or is it still too soon to tell and we need kind of a bigger sample size? So let's just kind of go down the list. We will start with the easiest one. Yes, folks in the chat mob, please play along uh, in the chat. So start with you, Ben. Rob Finnessy should be this team's starting point guard moving forward. Is that fair or is it too soon to tell? I think it's fair. I think uh, the way he's played, not not just in the three games, but the scrimmage, everything that we've seen out of him and you know, he was even getting those, uh, you know, some of the first team reps in that open practice uh, that was available to the students, but not the media. And so, uh, you know, he I, I think he's just been the best point guard on Indiana's roster right now. And, you know, Devontae Green, it's almost it's almost just by happenstance, because remember, Devontae Green was injured early in the year. Finnessy kind of stepped in and he's just he's just outplayed anyone who's who's competing for that spot. The ability to to probe in the lane and run that offense, he runs it like a veteran. I mean, he does not look like a a freshman point guard out there, either physically or mentally. He's really, really strong, really quick 
for a guy his age and then just has a great understanding and a grasp of how to run the offense, a good shooter already uh, as a young guy, which is encouraging for Indiana's offense. And obviously a, a guy who can defend the point guard spot as well as anyone. So I think that's fair. I think it's his spot until he, you know, proves otherwise. And Andy touched on it earlier about kind of the freshman wall. That's certainly a possibility. And, and if he runs into that, maybe 10, 12 games into the year has a tough stretch. Maybe you pull him out of the starting lineup for a few games and then maybe put him back in. But to me, until he, he proves that he's not fit for that spot, he's the starting point guard on this team. It's unanimous in the chat mob. Everybody fair. Andy, I assume that you agree. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you've got Archie, who's not necessarily one who, uh, who doles out praise, uh, or at least high, you know, high end praise too often calling him a stud after his third college game. That feels, uh, feels, feels like a pretty good endorsement for, for him. And yeah, he certainly hasn't done anything, uh, so far may have, you know, kind of gotten, you know, a first crack at it through injury, but he's acquitted himself very well. And it's one of those where it, it kind of similar to what I brought up with Al, where I don't, we may never know what the original rotation of this team was supposed to look like because there have been so many injuries. Um, but I, he's certainly, you know, taking the keys at this point and, and I don't think he's going to give them back anytime soon. All right. So here's the next one. You guys will understand why this one is, is a little bit hard for me. Um, but I have seen this in multiple places. So this is not coming from me, but let's let's assess this reaction. The closest IU player comp for Romeo is Calvert Chaney. Andy, fair or too soon to tell? Freshman year, Calvert Chaney. And I, I have some numbers if you want to hear the numbers. All right, let's let's hear the numbers. All right, so now look, Romeo's only played three games, but Calvert is a freshman. Of course, he came right in and was so good. 17.1 points per game, 4.6 boards, 1.7 assists, shot 57.2% from the field. That's over the course of a full season. Romeo threw just three games, 17.7 points, four rebounds, 2.3 assists, 57.1%, uh, and doing a little bit more in terms of steals and blocks. So the numbers, really similar, you know, kind of the scoring profile, really similar. You know, I think everybody knows the uh, the reverence with which I have for Calbert, but the more I think about this, to me, I think it's, I mean, obviously we have to see more. So, so I guess ultimately it is too soon to tell because Romeo is going to have to do this against better teams and do it all season and do it in the Big Ten. Um, but I didn't scoff at this when I first saw it, and that was kind of a shocking reaction for myself, viscerally. What do you think, Andy? I, you know, it's a, it's an interesting question. I, I think when you look at what was expected of them coming in, you know, Romeo, tons of fanfare, McDonald's All-American, really highly thought of super high expectations Cheney part of a really good class overall but was not the headliner of that group by any means um but pretty much from the minute he stepped in you know you could you could kind of see it um so it's a little bit odd even just coming into it that way I also try to think about you know how they really scored their points with Cheney really you know setting up screen so well running off motion shooting mid-range shots um, you know, the kind that he did when he broke the scoring record, like those were kind of the, the bread and butter Cheney plays. He did have some of that driving ability that as you've, you know, kind of talked about before where that was maybe an underrated part of his game. Uh, whereas Romeo is doing so much off the dribble makes it really look effortless getting to the basket. So I'm going to say too soon to tell just because I, I think from a production standpoint, I think it's absolutely fair. I think from a, how they go about producing those points, rebounds, whatever, I think they're still a little bit different uh, in my eyes. And, and to your point, we're, you know, we're three games in. So 
Uh, I think productivity wise, I, I can see it. I struggle a little bit. I think if you squint enough, you can, you know, probably see it a little bit in some other ways, but I, I'll say too soon to tell on that one. Um, but again, as, as you said, this is, you know, kind of stepping on hallowed ground for you and I. So uh, it, it may be a little bit difficult for me to, uh, to look at this objectively, but uh, that's what I would say. I hate player comps. Uh, ben, noted Indiana basketball fan, Ben Ladner, <laughs> your thoughts. Fair to tell. I think I'm too young to answer this question. Okay, you do, uh, Cal- you do think, know who Calvert Cheney is, though. I do, I do know yeah, who he yeah, is, okay. but he, he, uh, his Indiana basketball career ended about four don't, or five just, years before I was born. Just stop. So. Don't just finish stop. That. Oh. I don't even yeah. know why I kicked this one to you. Okay. Yeah, I know. I, I was I was wondering that myself. <laughs> but I have been trying to think about like Romeo comps and kind of who he rem- he's a tough comparison because the way he plays, you know, he's kind of this languid mover where he just kind of glides into the lane. And his his three point shot hasn't fallen yet. I think that'll come around. You mentioned his field goal percentage shooting around fifty seven percent from the field. That is outstanding, given that he's below twenty percent from three. Yeah, it's like uh, seventy he, something percent on twos. Yeah, and his his two point percentage. He's hitting floaters. He's getting to the basket, getting and ones, uh, creative layups. You know, hitting a couple mid range shots. He, he looks really good as an all around scorer. It's just that three point shot that hasn't really come around yet. And again. You figure a shooter like like he is, I think that'll, you know, come into form and kind of uh, progress up to the mean, if you will. But yeah, I mean, I, the the best comparison, modern comparison that I've come up with, is like some version of Karis Levert, but that's still very much a work in progress. No, he's nothing like Bracey Wright. No one said that, Ryan. That's un, that's ridiculous. Okay. Um... You're listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Ben Ladner and Andy Bottoms. We're playing a little game called Fair Too Soon to Tell with some of the early season IU reactions. Uh, so let me hit you with this one, Ben, uh, one that you'll be a little bit more uh, qualified to answer yep. here. Juwan Morgan will score fewer points but be a more impactful player this season. And real quick, you know, last year he averaged 16.5 points, 7.4 boards, 1.5 assists. This year so far, he's at 12 points, but he's got nine rebounds per game, three assists, and shooting a higher field goal percentage already. Is that fair, or is it too soon to tell? I think it could be both, because I think this is a distinct possibility. The, I've, you know, given the fact that Romeo Langford's coming into the fold, you, you assume that Justin Smith will score more than he did a year ago. I don't think that they're going to lean on Jawan Morgan in quite the same way that they did last season. That said, you know, it wouldn't shock me if he upped his scoring average and became you know, a, a more dominant scoring force but I think either way he's going to become a better all-around player than he was last season and the part of his game I'm really excited to see is how he works as a facilitator and this might be something that I expand into a longer piece later on this season but I think he's kind of shown all three years he's been at Indiana he's shown flashes of some playmaking ability whether it's you know dicing into the lane and finding a cutter or maybe it's you know a nice interior pass out of the post Maybe it's passing out of a double team to hit a shooter. He's kind of shown these these flashes, these bits and pieces of some passing instincts, but hasn't re- it hasn't shown out really in the numbers with super high assist totals. And I don't think he's done it at quite the consistent level that you'd want from like a true playmaking four. So in that sense, I think he he could become that guy this season. And it wouldn't surprise me if he averaged three, four assists this season, just because he's going to get doubled in the post. He's going to draw a lot of defensive attention. And now he has some pretty effective weapons around him that he's able to pass the ball to. And so I think regardless of where his scoring levels out to, I think he's going to be a better passer, better playmaker, 
maybe a better rebounder and just a better all-around player this season. Yeah, and if he has less of an offensive load too, he'll have more energy for defense. And I thought his defense right. against Marquette was probably as good as I've seen him play defensively, Andy. Yeah, it, yeah. For, for me, I would I would say that's fair at this point. I would put myself in in that camp. I think because of the assist that that Ben mentioned, um, you know, last year, uh, you know, the the thing about an assist is that somebody has to make a shot on the other end of the pass, and so I don't know that he was necessarily not a good passer last year, right. uh, but the ability of other guys to actually finish and convert on those opportunities and benefit from all the attention that he drew from defenses was uh, was important, and so I think his scoring was higher last year just because it was such a burden on him to score, uh, and I think this year with a better supporting cast is going to be able to he's going to be able to you know show all the other things he can do and how well-rounded his game is and ideally you know allow him to not have to play as many minutes even uh at which point some of the production might go down but i think those become more quality minutes on both ends of the floor as jared mentioned and one other thing i think that that could you know be a major factor in his improvement and how much more effective he becomes is that three-point shot He's sitting around 40%, but he's he's only two of five on the season. So that's going to be a, a figure to watch all season long. If he's a consistent mid-30s, high-30s three-point shooter, he's immediately a better player than he was last year. Okay, let's hit these last couple quickly here. So fair or too soon to tell, uh, Andy, you start on this one. Indiana's three-point defense is markedly improved from last season. The numbers are obvious. Last year, we gave up 36.7% uh, from three-point range. This year, 18.6%, although in fairness, there have been some open looks that the uh, you know the opposition just hasn't made. So what do you think? The three-point defense is markedly improved, or do we need to wait to really find out? Uh, that's, a, that's a tough one. I, I'm going to say... I'm going to say fair on that. I think that one is a little bit on the on the border for me. I mean, certainly to this point, it's been better. I think you see things with the additional length on the team. It feels like they they should be better another year in the system, being able to close out effectively on shooters and know their rotations a little bit better. Um, so you know, you had one game against a really good three pointing shoot three point shooting team, and 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 they defended it really well. So I guess in that regard, I'll say it's fair. But I'd still we would like to see a little bit more. Um, but I definitely think there are positive signs with with how things have gone so far in the defensive end. Jen in the chat just said fairly too soon to tell, and I'm flagging her for inappropriate <laughs> use of an adverb and fence sitting. That just doesn't count. Uh, uh, you know, oh, the fence sitting coming from the guy who kept picking push on over under. <laughs> I said that I on the over under. <laughs> On the, uh, yeah, preseason for that. So, yeah, I, I was going to let that go. But if you're going to call out other people for it, you know, that's, I, I can't I can't give you a pass on that. One. Come on, dude. All right, Ben, <laughs> fair too soon to tell on the three-point D. <laughs> I'll say too soon to tell. We've talked about the uh, vulnerabilities of the pack line defense when it comes to catch-and-shoot threes before. And there are ways to work around that. And in this Indiana team could be a team that does work around it. And maybe they get there by mid-season, end-of-season. But... I'm going to need to see them do it a little bit more consistently. Marquette missed a lot of open shots last night, and Indiana did do a good job defensively. I thought they made Marcus Howard's shots difficult. They closed out on shooters pretty well. But I I think they need to do it against more teams, against better teams. And just for a longer stretch of time, I think we need a a little bit bigger sample size on that uh, for me to before I really buy in. Okay, last one, Andy. Demise Anderson isn't ready yet to be a key piece of the rotation. Now, he's getting time. He's actually played 45% of the minutes so far. You know, part of that was, you know, getting some some garbage time minutes in the first couple of games, but he's playing a lot of minutes and he was obviously in there a lot last night. But I think the common reaction people have had kind of coming down off of that exhibition game where he hit, you know, the four threes and I think everybody was really excited. People still excited about the long-term potential. 
but some questions about the defense, you know, and his ability to handle the ball against some of these better defenses. So fair or too soon to tell that Demisi is not yet ready to be a part of the rotation. This one's difficult because I'm not sure there's, you know, you look at the game against Marquette, there was really not an alternative. Even if you thought he wasn't ready for it, there wasn't anybody else to really turn to. And and you saw when he assume, came on. Okay, so yeah, assume that we have, that, that we're at full strength, I guess, is the. Yeah, then then I guess I would say that seems fair for now. I mean, by, you know, by his own admission, he seems like a pretty self-aware guy and talked about his struggles defensively. And Marquette, I mean, as soon as he came on the floor, I mean, Sam Hauser's eyes lit up and he was just going at him from all over the court. And I mean, that was really what you saw. They really attacked him uh, defensively. And other teams are going to do that as well. Um, so I think that's the the big part of it for me. I don't think he, while he is a really good scorer, I don't think that's what IU, it, it's a bonus that, that he scores. I mean, last night he was just, they just needed him to take up minutes uh, and play well. So I think he's capable of continuing to play where he is. And I think he, he will continue to almost out of necessity. And that may benefit him greatly in the long run, uh, even though it's probably going to be some growing pains in the, in the short term. Um, so I don't think he's ready for that right now. Um, but I think this experience, if he responds to it well, suggests that he will be uh, ready for it by the end of the season. Ben? I agree. Full strength. I think he's not quite ready. Um, to me, he's just kind of like a guy, you know, who doesn't really do much. He he doesn't he doesn't take that much off the table, but he also doesn't put much on the table for you. So if he's not knocking down shots, especially, you know, then it, it's unclear to me what value he provides as the rotation piece. But again, with McRoberts out, with Jerome Hunter presumably out for an extended stretch, it might it might just be a situation where you need him to soak up minutes, almost like a, a long reliever, where you just need to put him in there, um, you know, and eat up some minutes and, and be a part of that uh, a part of the rotation. Then, and I think he can do that. You know, he's not like I said, he's not going to take much off the table for you. It's just a matter of how much of a positive impact he's making. I suppose at that point in the rotation, though, if you can just get, you know, mediocre net zero contributions from your guys, you know, with this eighth ninth man on the in the rotation i think that's probably a net win i felt like we had an amazing conversation on all levels all righty coming up in our final segment we will answer some of your questions including what has surprised us the most about iu's play so far this season plus our early impressions of the big 10 all of that coming next in our final segment stick with us You are listening to the assembly call and we are wrapping up another week of talking iu basketball and basking in the glow of indiana's victory over marquette i am jared morris here with andy bottoms and ben ladner and here in our final segment we'd like to answer your questions and so we got a short final segment let's hop right to it we got this question from jay he said other than fantasy's play what has been the thing that surprised you the most through indiana's first three games he said for me it's been how quickly the offense has played and how effective they've been uh, playing quickly indiana actually averaging under 15 seconds per offensive possession right now uh, which as he said would have put iu in the top five in the country using last season's numbers so hoosier's definitely playing fast so that has been surprising to jay ben what's been the most surprising thing to you to me it's the ball movement uh, Indiana has been really effective moving the ball along the perimeter, just being patient on offense. And again, they, they are moving quickly in the possessions, but they're making the right pass. They're moving the ball with purpose. No one's really holding it for too long in a given possession. They're assisting on a really high percentage of their baskets. And I think I we, we all knew this was going to be a team with a, a lot of good passers, a lot of guys who could move the ball, 
who had some decent vision. But I think the way it's all gelled together and for it to happen this quickly and this early in the season has been a really pleasant surprise for me. Andy, what has surprised you the most? I think the how much of a factor forcing turnovers and converting those into into points has been. I, I don't know what those you know numbers were last year. I think they've gotten significantly better in in defensive turnover rate. How that translated into to points off turnovers, I don't know. But that's really been a, a pretty constant thing through the exhibition game, through the first couple of games. It even I think was brought up how many turnovers they forced in that that scrimmage against Loyola. Um, and that allowed them to get off to a really good start against Marquette. Didn't really sustain itself in terms of, um, you know, the, uh, you know, what they were able to get off those turnovers as the game went on. Um, but I, I thought that's been a, a really constant drumbeat for the team. And with so many young guys in the rotation, with so many injuries, to see the defense be where it is uh, was really impressive to me. Yeah, I would say on the plus side, you know, the defense, especially the defense of the young guys, you know, it's really hard to expect freshmen to come in and be really good defensively. But I think for the most part, Indiana's freshmen have been. And on the negative side, it's the injuries. You know, that, that's really surprised me. It's always surprising when you have this many injuries early. You expect it maybe, you know, during the grind of the Big Ten season. And especially with just, you know, how much Indiana's talked about, you know, the new weight program and really what seems like a smart plan and strategy. So I don't mean this as, you know, to cast aspersions upon that. I think Indiana does a great job there. But, you know, it's just it's just been surprising to see, you know, all these injuries happen uh, so early in the season. So hopefully they can get that figured out. And look, maybe we're just getting all of our injuries out of the way and we'll get everybody healthy and, you know, be able to roll, you know, once we get past uh, past the holidays. But um, that's kind of been surprising to me. Uh, Andy, let's hit one more here. Um, the Big Ten. Have JDS, have your impressions of the Big Ten as a whole changed at all since the season started? You know, Big Ten didn't really play many teams, but then all of a sudden, you know, you've got Michigan waxing Villanova, obviously Indiana playing well. The, the you know, Ohio State went into Cincinnati and won. There have been some pretty impressive victories for the Big Ten so far. And while no great team perhaps has emerged, sure seems like there's a whole lot of really good ones. Yeah, I think I don't know that my opinion has changed on on there really being a you know, truly top end elite team nationally um but certainly what you know michigan was able to do at villanova last night was impressive you know iu's been impressive um so i you know i think maybe that the depth in the you know toward the top of the league is even a little bit better than we thought we kind of talked about that how you know you could look at teams one through six in a lot of ways and and they seem pretty interchangeable so it's been a good thing for the league they've been really successful in a lot of these uh you know non-conference games have only lost two so far so that benefits everybody in a you know, rising tide lifts all boats scenario come March. And so uh, I think that's positive, but I do think it's going to be a slog in a 20 game schedule with some of these, uh, some of these teams There are not going to be a lot of easy nights out there. So I think overall quality is a little bit better. Don't know that it's changed my opinion on, you know, what maybe the ceiling is for the better teams in the league. But uh, I, I think they've certainly been better than, than people thought to this point, And that's a positive thing for everybody. All right, we got about a minute left, Ben. Let's take this one final question uh, from Richard. After seeing how IU did against Marquette, do you have higher expectations for the season? I, I don't, but that's, I think, only because I was pretty high on this team coming into the year. Uh, I thought their ceiling was around the Elite Eight, maybe Final Four if everything breaks right. So I, I think they're probably still at that level, which is by no means to say that they're a lock to make it that far. But I do think this is a team that can hang with almost any team in, in college basketball. And certainly that Duke game will be a, a big test of that. But that Marquette game, I mean, it kind of just proved when this team is on, it can really beat some good teams. And so, you know, it's early. To, it's good to see that early in the season and, and for them to prove that they can do that in just the third game. Andy, 20 seconds left. Did, did 
the game change your expectation for the season at all? Uh, I think it changes my, I think they're further ahead at that point in the season than where I thought they would be. They seem closer to, you know, maybe what my high end expectations were already. Um, but it, you know, you try not to overreact too much to one game. So they, they, they probably did in my heart, but I'm trying not to to let that show as much as it probably does. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. All righty. Well, that'll do it for us on this week's episode of the assembly call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, chat join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our assembly call radio recording. And you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for assembly call, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also don't forget, go to assemblycall.com or text IU to six, six, eight, six, six to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you Sunday after IU Arkansas. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the assembly call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating. And so many of you have donated and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, Another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.